this morning, we chanted all my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully vowed. That's a confession. And um, it's a really good reminder that we all live in a world of action and its consequences. And it's also a reminder that if we want to study the mind, it seems like it's easier in a way to study what comes about as a result of greed, hate, and delusion than it is to study something that's kind of like that we that we really enjoy. It makes us work with it a little bit. On the other hand, karma is not all unwholesome stuff. We could say as an alternative, all my ageless upright karma from boundless generosity, love, and understanding, born through body, speech, and mind, I now humbly receive, or something, something like that. So karma is action and consequence, and it might be wholesome and it might be unwholesome. It's kind of like... Um, well, it's, a, it's, you know, called the law of karma, I guess. Uh, it's like a natural law. It's reflexive or reflective. Or it, it's reminiscent of Newton's third law of motion. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Reaction might not be the right word in this case, but it's kind of the same thing. For every, every action, there is a consequence. We can't touch, I can't touch this lectern without being touched by it. It's also reminiscent of the golden rule. When I heard the golden rule as a child, it was, well, it's do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And it, it, was, an it was a guideline or an instruction or a injunction or something. So learn this and practice it. And that's good. It's helpful. Carl Jung, the great psychoanalyst, said, the golden rule is a guideline and it's also an equation. It's like it kind of happens on its own if you think about it. People do in a way that reflects what's done unto them. Once, in, uh, about 1,500 years ago, <clears throat> in a marketplace in Asia, there was a monk standing at the crossroads, in my imagination, at the crossroads, reciting or chanting the Diamond Sutra. Now, the Diamond Sutra is part of what is known as the Prajnaparamita teachings, or wisdom beyond wisdom teachings, and the, the Heart Sutra is also one of those scriptures. And these teachings are foundational to Mahayana Buddhism and came about in the early centuries of the common era. 
The Diamond Sutra, the, the name of the diamond, the name of the Diamond Sutra in Sanskrit is Vajra Kedika Prajna Paramita Sutra, which means the, the wisdom beyond wisdom text that cuts like a diamond thunderbolt. And the main teachings of the Diamond Sutra are concerned with emptiness, as is the Heart Sutra, with non-self or the non-existence of a, of a separate self, and excuse me, and with the liberative power of non-attachment. So our monk was chanting this sutra in the marketplace and was overheard by a youngster named Wainang, who was could not read or write and earn a living to support his widowed mother by collecting and selling firewood. And he wasn't asking for the Diamond Sutra. He may not even have known that it existed, but when he heard it, or part of it, it did its job and cut like a diamond thunderbolt. And he was greatly awakened. And he didn't know what to do right away with that occurrence. So he asked around and somebody suggested that he take a visit to uh, a temple nearby where he fortune provided and he found himself at the temple of the, the fifth ancestor of Chinese Zen, Daman Hongren, and asked to be admitted to the monastery. And he was a lay person. He wasn't ordained. And they said, okay, great. You can work in the kitchen. Why don't you uh, pound this rice for gruel? And he did that for several months. And then one day, the teacher, Hong Ren set up, uh, proposed that the, the monks in the temple compose poems to <clears throat> demonstrate their understanding. And so the, I guess everybody did that. And the one that seemed to be the favorite of everyone was written by the head monk. <laughs> <laughs> Shunjian <laughs> uh, wrote this and put it up on the wall. The body is the tree of wisdom, the mind, but a bright mirror at all times diligently polish it to remain untainted by dust. It's a really good verse. We can use that every day to inspire our practice. Now, as the story goes, Wainung heard that poem. Somebody read it to him, and he had a response to it that went like this. He, he couldn't write it, so he asked somebody to write it down for him. His response was, the tree of wisdom fundamentally does not exist, nor is there a stand for the mirror. Originally, there's not a single thing, so where would dust alight? He he gave the other side. He gave the... He gave the he gave something that pointed directly to the absolute. 
And actually, it's kind of like a four-line synopsis of the, of the Diamond Sutra, what he wrote. Now, he was a, a, a young guy, and uh, the teacher at Hongren recognized that he had done something really special there, and he transmitted the Dharma to him very quickly. Gave him the robe and the bowl and transmitted the Dharma to him, and he became the sixth ancestor, but he was advised not to tell anybody for a while. So he, he went away for, some people say, 16 years before he started to talk about it. And he had a long, illustrious career as the sixth ancestor. 150 years later, more or less, there was another monk, and his name was Dashan, or he became known as Dashan. And he was a scholar. He was a somebody who read and wrote a lot, and he was a specialist in the Diamond Sutra. And, but, and he was kind of, a, he was like an expert, but there was something that he felt might be missing. So he went on a pilgrimage and he took his commentaries on the Diamond Sutra with him and he was going to maybe give some lectures or something like that, but he was really looking for some, he wasn't quite satisfied. And he traveled along and then one day he came to some marketplace and there was an old lady selling rice cakes. And he said something like, you know, I would really like to have a rice cake. And she said, what's in the bag? <laughs> and he says, oh, those are my, those are my commentaries on the, on the Diamond Sutra. And, and she said, oh yeah? Well, I'll tell you what, I have a deal. I'll, I'll give you a rice cake on the house if you can answer a question that I have about the Diamond Sutra. And he said, okay. <coughs> so she said, in the Diamond Sutra, it says, the mind of the past is ungraspable. The mind of the future is ungraspable. The mind of the present is ungraspable. Which mind, with which mind will you request and receive a rice cake. And he didn't know what to say. So she said, move along now. <laughs> he didn't get a rice cake. She said, well, can you give me a pointer? Uh, like, give me, give me some suggestion of where I might go to learn something. So she said, you might go check out this place where... Uh, Long Tan Kong Song Jin lives. Long Tan Song Chong Jin. Chong Jin. I'm working on it. Uh, Dragon Pond. That was the place, and that was his name, Dragon Pond. Go meet him. So Deshaun went to meet Dragon Pond. Now, this is an interesting side note. Dragon Pond came from a family that what the sold rice cakes so maybe he was like in cahoots with this old lady somehow <laughs> he was a member he was a member of the rice cake organization <laughs> and Tishan met dragon Pond and had an interview with him in his quarters and they, they he, when he first showed up he said 
to Dragon Pond. He said, well, I, I, I came here and I don't see a, a pond. And I, I haven't seen a dragon yet either. And Dragon Pond said, welcome to Dragon Pond. <laughs> so they had a nice talk and Vishan probably told them about his interest in doctrine and the Diamond Sutra. And Dragon Pond said, it's getting kind of late out there. Maybe you better go get some rest. And it was dark out there. So he said, hey, it's dark out there. Why don't you take this lantern? He gave him a paper, he's lit a paper lantern and he, he's giving it to him. Dishon took the lantern and Dragon Pond blew it out in the dark. And at that, that's when Dishon woke up, when the lights went out. And he bowed and he bowed. Dragon Pond said, what, what happened? So Dishon said, from this day forward, I will never again doubt the words of the old monk under heaven. And the next day, he came to the assembly there at the monastery. Some words were spoken. Dragon Pond recognized him in front of the assembly. And he gave more words of homage. And he took all of his commentaries and burned them. He had finally received the Diamond Sutra. Now, both of those stories revolve around the Diamond Sutra. It's kind of interesting. Wei Nung was a gatherer of firewood, wasn't asking for any awakening, and he received it completely and deeply. Dishan was a scholar of the Diamond Sutra who kind of missed it and then finally woke up when the lights went out. <laughs> Both of them had been conditioned by their actions. And it's really fun to think about that for me. They, they kind of, they kind of, their stories kind of revolve around each other. As different as their experiences were, they shared some kind of position that allow, which allowed them to, to see something or understand something or penetrate and be touched by this diamond thunderbolt. So now, in some way, we're all touched by this diamond. And it's a rare, rare wonderful, auspicious set of circumstances that has brought us together here today to practice. Thank you all for being here. And I think within a, each of us, there's a little bit of Wei Nun and a little bit of Deshan and a little bit of Dragon Pond. Mostly, though, each one of us is completely and utterly the totality of ourselves. And we can all learn deeply from this, especially when we have the chance to practice together.